Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. I'm super excited you're joining in today. I have a fun guest on and we're going to talk about pivoting and changes in the middle of our life and our career and it's going to be great. I want to encourage you if you are sick of social media um, or you're just wanting something different and you want to stay connected though to other like-minded women, I want to encourage you to join the table. The table is my new Brave Enough membership group and you pay a monthly premium to belong to an amazing, powerful group of women. And the coolest thing is everything's organized. You don't have to worry about missing a post or missing this. You can come into the table, pull up a chair, so to speak, and get what you need out of it. The promise that I'm giving to you is that you are going to learn every week about yourself. You're going to learn how to create boundaries, have better time management, learn how to advocate and speak up for yourself in the workplace, identify things that are in your life that are false beliefs or limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And it's all done in a safe community where we don't compete, but we encourage. I want to encourage you, if you are a woman listening right now, that you join the table. You get two weeks for free, so you could come in, check it out, and see if you want to stay. You get weekly teaching from me in a video on demand, and you also just get you know conversation, community, so much is at the table. So go to becomebraveenough.com backslash the table and click to join. I want to see you there. Hey there, I'm Sasha. I'm a doctor, I'm a mom, and I'm a founder. I believe that women are overwhelmed and exhausted. So I founded a company called Brave Enough. Brave Enough helps thousands of women find clarity, set boundaries, and gain control of their lives. So welcome, sit back, and let's get into the good stuff. In today's episode, Sasha interviews facilitator, speaker, strategist, and master coach, Nicole Bianchi. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. I'm so honored to have an amazing guest on today. This woman and I met and recorded a podcast on her show. And then I basically said, can you be my friend? (laughs) And she said, yes. And now I asked her to come on the Brave Enough show because she's just incredible. Uh, Nicole Bianchi is a facilitator, a speaker, a strategist, and a master coach. She founded her own business called Bravium HD. And I am so empowered by everything that she puts out on social media. She has, she's an entrepreneur. She leads, um, coaches who go into businesses, create strategies, build teams, collaboration. She also has just a family of entrepreneurs, her entire family. And she's here in Nebraska with me, which is really special when you find another woman in your community that is has similar kind of aspirations and, and thoughts that you do that you feel like, wow, you can be inspired from, you know, to know, and she's so close in this community. So I'm super excited. We're going to talk about so many different things today about pivoting her upcoming new book and what did it means to be brave. So welcome to the show, Nicole. So I think many women would read your bio and they would be thinking, oh my gosh, like how did she have all that courage to change out of a high secure paid career to starting her own amazing business. And they would think that that's so out of reach or that's so far beyond what they can comprehend. Can you talk to us a little bit about your backstory and how you decided to leave corporate America and start your own business? So after 16 years of being inside, well, I'd been inside for about 16 years. And I remember my last role, I was in the middle of 
doing a merger. And so it was a, we were being acquired by a, a large company. And so I was on the forefront of merging all of the people, the culture, every aspect. And I was in an environment where it was just very resistant to change. And I remember coming home one day and my husband just very lovingly telling me how miserable I was to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he started, he sensed before I even did the lack of fulfillment I had in my current role. And so that began a moment for me to say, okay, maybe it's time for me to do something different. And I immediately went to kind of a place where it's like, well, I'll just, I'll go find another kind of, you know, executive leadership role doing, doing the things that I love. And I remember him asking me a series of powerful coaching questions. And the first one was, well, why, why would you go do the same? Why wouldn't you go start a business that you've talked on and off about for the past couple of years? And I remember just, he sat in the silence and just paused. And I, and I thought, oh my gosh, my heart was racing. And I thought, well, well, why wouldn't I do that? That's, that's a great question. So he was pushing me and, and he said, what's the worst that could happen? And I said, well, I'm not successful. I'm not successful at all. And then he went on to say, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Not successful. So what would your next move be? And why wouldn't you go do it? And I remember that moment in time, the beginning of me starting, he planted a seed for me to begin to think about what that could look like and the importance of that. And, and for me to begin to think about uh, what the design of that would be. And almost, and also as a, as a spouse, just kind of cheering me on, right? Saying, you should, you've talked about it. Why wouldn't you? And just having somebody that you just so deeply trust really push you to think beyond what you think, think might be possible. And that, I never looked back after that moment. In fact, I decided to kind of open the door and just dip my toe in the water confidentially with some friends um, just to say, hey, I'm looking to do this. And so I opened it up within my circle to four or five people that work inside of large companies to say, you know, here's what I want to do. Here's where I want to start. and Here's the type of work I would be interested in doing. And I remember two of those five responding immediately saying, we would love to bring you inside to do X, Y, Z. And it actually, the first client I was able to secure was GE. And it was working inside GE Aviation to build a coaching program for their their new managers and to teach them uh, a program that would help them be better coaches and move away from a really a more of a command and control supervision mm-hmm. um, that they had previously done. And so I, you know, trusting it with my network and being able to just kind of pilot it and taking some vacation days here and there within three to four months, I knew I had something and I knew I had that I was ready to start building something much bigger. I love that you basically did a a test run. Like you did a small pilot study and gathered data, Mm -hmm. what was working, what was not working. And that's what really builds your confidence, doesn't it? Like when you're starting something, when you start small and you deliver, it does nothing but just build your confidence. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, people, we look at other women, we look at other leaders, we look at people that we really look up to and we see like, oh my gosh, they've accomplished all these things. But we don't hear about, okay, it started with me going to having a conversation with my husband and then having a conversation with three or four friends and then trialing this in a really small environment on my vacation days. You know, that's the, that's the like underneath stuff that people need to hear. 
Right. And I'll, I'll, one more thing to add to that is, uh, you know, I was the primary breadwinner um, mm. by a, a considerable amount. And so for me to consider taking this leap and having, a, you know, a loving, trusting spouse that was willing to take that leap with me, it, it, it reduced the risk and the fear and the kind of the, you know, the intimidating factor. And I and and, you know, the last thing he said to me was, gosh, could you find another job somewhere else if this doesn't work out? Mm. And I said, absolutely. I definitely could. So we knew that it was a risk and we were going to have to take a step back to take so many steps forward. But being able to, like you said, pilot it, experiment. And even what I started off with, um, I was doing the coaching for GE Aviation, but then I also was being called to do um, internal investigations for companies that needed an outside person that had the HR depth and expertise to do these investigations. And I quickly learned that investigations never have a good ending, right? Mm. There's always people that their people's lives will be changed forever as a result of an investigation. It's Mm. the way it is. And I could see inside of those companies what they really needed um, beyond the investigation, but you can't go in and do an investigation and then be a, a strategic partner for them long term. And so I quickly learned the things I didn't want to do, as well as the things I found a deep love and passion for. I love this because I was just having a conversation with a client that I was coaching the other day in my master class, and she was feeling like a failure because she had invested like five years of her life into a specific subspecialty of medicine and area of study. And she's like, I just feel like such a failure because I don't like it. And, mm-hmm. and I said, but part of understanding what you love is understanding what you don't love. Like you mm-hmm. have to do the things you don't love sometimes. And sometimes we invest a ton of resources and time into things we don't love to go. This is not at all what I thought it was going to be. And this isn't bringing me joy or it's not bringing me joy in the moment or now it did five years mm-hmm. ago and that's okay. It's not failure, right? It's just exactly. data collection. <laughs> You, you couldn't be more right. And giving yourself permission to do it and to try it, knowing that you're either going to love it or you're going to, or it, it could be, you know, a high love of satisfaction. It could be a mid or it could be a, I never, I knew I never wanted to do that again. And it helped gain clarity to the things and open me up to the things that would be a better fit. So do you think that women hold themselves back by following, like by not upsetting the apple cart in in standard career paths. I mean, I know what I believe, but I see women all the time so afraid of taking risk and putting and, and putting themselves at risk that they mm-hmm. just stay one level down or they stay underneath the, the, the standard lit path that's out there. I think, I think you're right. And I would, I do it. I do a yes. And to that, which is uh, the playing it safe. I see is that they want it to be perfect or to have. So here's a great example. I was coaching a vice president who uh, wanted to move up to that C-suite level. And there was actually an opening among in, in the larger part of the company. And when she looked at the job description, she had probably uh, 70 to 80 percent of the qualifications, but didn't looking at it in black and white terms, have 20% of it. And so ruled herself out, Mm -hmm. didn't even throw her hat in to say, what if? Because a lot of those are just like preferred or we like or things like that. So, so many women leaders I see 
want, feel like they have to have a hundred percent of it ready or be a hundred percent ready to take that, to take the chance or to throw their name in the hat for different things. When in reality, 70% done is better than perfect, right? Right. 70%, 70% will get them there, but they don't realize it. And in fact, in this same coaching conversation, the CEO, after they posted this role, the CEO came to her and said, why have you not put your name in the hat for it? Mm. That's amazing. Why? That's amazing that yeah. that person did that because a lot of times that does, that next step doesn't happen. And so then right. we just never think that we count ourselves out, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. talk to me about the book. I'm so excited for this book. I've been following your journey on social media. Talk to us about the book. Oh, so this has been a, a, one of those goals I've had kind of lingering in the back for the last three to four years. And I was, I was, I was putting together my 2020 vision board. I do this every, every December, January, I wrote on my vision board, write the damn book, write it, <laughs> write the damn book. And I, t- I made a promise to myself. I said, Nicole, if you end 2020 without a book in process, you need to bless and release this goal. You need to be done with it and stop talking about it. And so that put forward into some momentum uh, because again, it takes an element of bravery to to put your thoughts on paper in, in a book that people will read and you know will have opinions about. And so I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so I was able to uh, partner with a publisher who's been fantastic in helping me bring this concept a lot to life. And so what I have seen in the leaders that I work with in all aspects, whether it's the team, leadership development, um, coaching, strategy work, is the common missing element in leaders is bravery. And so mm-hmm. I I see that in leadership programs, you know, we do a great job of like, here's some skills, here's tools, here's framework. But then the leaders go back into their environment and their cultures and they they lack the bravery oftentimes to implement it, to have the tough conversation, to mm-hmm. to speak up, to say stuff, to um, to go against what's happening. And and I'll tell you, I coach just as many male leaders as I do female, probably more male leaders than I do female, and it is consistent across genders. Mm. And so I'm, you know, my, my, uh, my, the tension in my book is around, uh, you know, pushing leaders to, to be a braver version of themselves and to move away from that. Everybody, when I talk to leaders about, gosh, what's the bravest thing you did today? They immediately, uh, they immediately say, gosh, I, I don't think I've done anything brave today. You know, they, they build it up to be this big heroic move when in fact, it's actually small, brave moves that compound over time that uh, are transformational for these leaders. And oh, so, yeah, so that's, it's, it's, uh, it's all about bravery and leadership. And it it's about, I know that it creates a competitive advantage if they overlay their leadership schools, skills, tools, and framework with, um, with bravery. So, okay. I, I just, I'm going to, I love what you said about small, brave moves. Okay. That, that just resonates so much. And, and also, what you said about they want it to be good and perfect. I just, I don't know if you've read, but I've, I'm reading Dolly Parton's storyteller book and I love Dolly Parton. She's like one of my, you know, I mean, who doesn't love Dolly Parton, but I was reading something that resonated so much with me about how she was talking about how she had to extricate herself from being in business with Porter Wagner, who had really given her like her first fame and, you know, her, her hits and, and she had immense success with, but she knew that being underneath him and being part of his show was 
competing with her time to go out on her, on her own solo artist. And she was talking about this. And I actually heard her talking, not just in the book, but I heard her interviewed about this in the last year. And she was like, you know, people say to me like, Oh, did you have peace about it now? Or did you make amends? Cause he went on to like sue her and all this stuff. And it was just this mm-hmm. big mess. And she said, no, it was still really hard. I still get sad when I think about it, but it, I know it was the right thing to do. And I thought, Oh my gosh. Okay. I have to stop thinking that every decision is going to like, I'm going to like have butterflies and rainbows within a year of making the decision. (laughs) You know, every, sometimes we think, Oh, if it's the right decision, then if it's the right move, um, then it must always, it's going to feel good. But I think true courage and bravery means doing what's, you know, is right. Even if it doesn't feel great for for all the other people around you. Does that make sense? Like, you know, maybe it's leaving a company or leaving a position Mm -hmm. to take on something new. You may never feel, see those other people and feel great about it. They may never understand the Mm -hmm. courage that it took you, but it's what it peace with yourself, you know? And she said, I knew that it was the right thing, but it doesn't mean that it still doesn't mean it was hard or, or it wasn't hard for you know, 30 years. And I thought, okay, if Dolly Parton, who's like, you know, a a billionaire and has like sold and written more, you know, records than anyone in the, in the world feels still bad about how that decision went down, but knows that it was the right thing for her. Then I need to think, stop thinking that every decision I make has to be followed with some immense peace and, and cake and celebration. (laughs) You know, it might, the, the courageous, hard thing may not feel good for a while. Oh, you couldn't have said it any better. I'll share a quick story. I, The first role I had was with ConAgra Brands, and I started there as an intern. I had worked there for about 10 years, 10, 11 years. And I remember uh, my, my circle around me was telling me at the time, I was at a pivotal moment where either if I stayed, I either stay at ConAgra and finish out like another 20, 20 years, be a, a lifer there, or I move on to something. Um, they were pushing me saying, you're destined for more and you can't get locked in right? You become less marketable in the corporate world, the longer you stay, right? Like less versatile. Mm. And I, uh, was rising up the ranks, uh, quickly. I was being moved every two to three years in critical roles. I was making great money. I had strong credibility, strong relationships within the company. So no reason to leave. Okay. And I, and what they were saying resonated with me and I knew they were right. And I remember when I submitted my resignation and and they tried to get me to stay with, uh, you know, with, with some, um, other kind of things that would be appealing to me. And I remember just crying, like literally crying in the office going, no, I know this is the right thing to do. And I knew I had to leave, right. To really spread my wings and get additional experiences. And, but it was one of the hardest things. And for a couple of years, it was hard, but looking back now, I, if I, had I not left, I wouldn't have been able to do some of the things that I've wanted to do now. Yes. And it's so, it's so true because, you know, we often set boundaries or make these hard decisions. that may take us like a year to make, mm-hmm. and then we expect everyone else to like be at the same place we are with those <laughs> yes. decisions that have been living in our head. Right. I mean, right. this happens all the time. Like I coach women in my master class, and they finally decide like, Oh my gosh, I have to set this boundary. I have to say no to this. I have to hire this help. And they come up with this master plan on how they're going to, um, operationalize it. And then they're like, Oh my gosh, I got backlash. And I'm like, well, yeah, because those people, this took you 12 weeks to like wrestle mm-hmm. with and come to and do this really hard internal work. And we often expect other people 
people's reactions to be on board. And if they're not, then we take it as, oh my gosh, we're making the wrong decision. When in reality is we're just, we've made these decisions in our own mind and our own soul, and we can't expect other people to understand them. My husband said to me when I, when I came to him and said, I'm going to find something different. He said, but I love ConAgra. And I said, (laughs) and I do, I know. Right. And I go, and I do too. I love them very much. They're, they are my family. They are my heart. I love them. And in fact, I mean, I, six months later, they asked me to start coming back and consult, you know, from time to time. And so I was starting to use vacation days to help them out when I needed to. And they'd always be a part of my family. And I have lifelong friendships and I've learned so much. It still didn't mean that it wasn't the right decision. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think sometimes we have to realize, like, I always think to myself, okay, there's only one Sasha. Like there's only one Nicole. There's only one Mm -hmm. Nicole who can go out and create and do the things that are in your brain and that that make your heart sing, that have all of the talent and, and work and passion and mission that is in you. But we often, the first thing we do is we, we seek external validation when really it's, it has to be inside of us. Like, I think, you know, I always say one of the most courageous things that we can do every day is just showing up as ourself. Like that in Mm -hmm. itself takes immense, immense courage. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And getting really clear on what your value system is and what's most important to you, because if you're not, then you, then you do sway, right? You sway to whoever's opinion or Mm -hmm. the culture of the company or the organization that you sit within, you, uh, you begin to adopt theirs without having your own. And, and that's a pivotal point. And I actually, chapter one, I really go deep on being your authentic self and getting clear on what those are, you know, throughout your leadership journey so that you can do the right thing. So I wanted you to talk to us a little bit more about this December, January vision board, because I think that's something that is a strategy that most listeners will want to know. Like, how do you, how does that look for you? Like, how do you operationalize? Like, what do you do? I know what I do. And it's so funny because when you were talking about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, we're so alike, but what, how do what does that look or mean to you? What do you take time off? Do you do it like a little bit every day? Do you sit down and just knock mm-hmm. it all out? Or what do you do? I, so I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think about it for a while before I do anything, right? I, I, I move it to the conscious part of my mind where I begin to think about and reflect on the things that really worked and didn't work um, over the past year. So there's there are some things that I like, I'm like, okay, I've been talking about this. Why is this not moved forward, right? Or this lo- no longer is working for me. And so how do I bless and release this, right? And so I'll, I'll revisit my, I call them my ethos, right? my my core system that helps guide my decision making. I'll revisit that and make any adjustments needed. And then I move into, okay, what are what are the three to five things I really, really want to do? And and I know when I get clear on those, I can, it's so much easier to say no to other things and being pulled um, in different directions. And so the book was one of them. And I knew I was going to have to make sacrifices to be able to say truly yes to this book and the time commitment that would be needed. And so my process, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big creative. And so I take traditional flip chart paper and markers and I mind map, right. And I, and I, and I, all those things that I just talked about, right. What's working, what's not working. What do I want more of? What do I want less of? What do I want? Um, you know, what do I want that year to look like? And so through kind of a mind mapping exercise, I begin to gain clarity.
clarity. And then I come up with, um, uh, you know, short little three to five words that um, like write the damn book. Right. So I don't <laughs> write the damn book. That was one of the goals yeah. because it, it, said, it, it evokes emotion in me by saying it that way. And then underneath it, it'll have three little bullet points to move that into action. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then I actually put it on. Uh, I use a tool, put it into a cool board with some pictures and then I um, I have it printed and then I hang it up uh, in my office. Two parts of my one in my office and then two somewhere um, in my area. So like my closet bedroom area, I hang it up as well, because if it's not visual and it's not in front of you, it just won't happen. And so those are the two areas that I I look and check in on every single day. Oh my gosh. I love this. This is so good. Isn't this? I mean, this is stuff that we can do right away and Mm -hmm. it's the perfect timing. And you know, I think that, um, 2020 has been difficult for people to think about their own goals, um, beyond just surviving day to day. Mm -hmm. And yet I think that, you know, I'm an optimist and I think that, um, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is, is as the year changes is not that all the problems are going to dissipate on January one, but I'm going to change. I I have the power to change me, right? I have the power to shift, to pivot, to, to say, okay, you know what? We're leaving that behind and we're, we're moving this direction in, in my life. And so I think that I, I would love to hear like, if you were going to gather a group of women and who are defeated, who are beat down, who are discouraged about 2020, what would you say to them in a, in a five minute elevator speech, you know, about moving forward in 2021, something about something, you know, that you've learned as you've written this amazing book about being a courageous leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give, I would start off by saying, Uh, giving themselves the space, the permission to figure out what that looks like for them and holding that, uh, not allowing anybody to hijack that time for them. And, and actually, cause you have to, it's, it's a, it's a process, right? And it's not like one day we all wake up and we're like, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, it's something that just changes and iterates over time. Just like writing a chapter of this book, the one of my chapters, the, the, any of the chapters, do not look like the very first draft of the chapter. Right? They evolve over a period of time, over a couple of months, and turn into something much bigger and deeper and richer than they initially started with. And so, being able to invest the time and the space to do the, the, the thinking and the work that's needing and the, the, um, and here's the other thing, not getting so, um, the, the book thing, for example, that is something I've been wrestling with for a couple of years. So I knew I wanted to write a book. It's a matter of pushing myself to do that. But it, one of my goals was I wanted to do something stronger in the community and I didn't know what it quite was. Right. So one of my goals was to experiment with a couple of different community uh, partners to figure out what was going to be the most fulfilling for me and just to try it. Right. And then I knew I would get clear on where I could go really deep because before I had, I would go deep with an organization. I'm like, gosh, this isn't fulfilling at all. And then I would be like, I'm so deep. How do I get out now? Mm. What what am I going to do? And so don't make, you know, as you give yourself time, prototype early, pilot early, experiment early, because as you're coming up with this, because you will gain the clarity that you need um, on where you should be and what it should look like. Mm, I love that. And you keep saying something that 
that has really been a vein through this entire interview, and that is time. So we have mm-hmm. to give ourselves permission to time, whether it's vision board or whether it's thinking of that other job or that other promotion or that other avenue, or whether it's thinking of this, you know, community project or whatever it is, we have to give ourselves time. And I think if there was one thing that women don't give themselves, it's time. Someone is always competing for time. I think we often think mm-hmm. like, time, oh, there's going to be this hour in my day when all the work is done. The work is never done. There are always dishes to be put away and laundry mm-hmm. to be done and reports to read and emails to respond to and patients to take care of and clients to help. The work is never done. So if we right. don't like give ourselves this time every day and put like the f- the most fierce boundaries we can ever find around them, it will never be there. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about intentionality. And so I want to share one quick story around this. We have a, there's a group of executive leaders that are getting ready to be promoted into C-suite leaders in a program that on the last day of their seven month program, I do this intentionality exercise and it's about a two hour exercise. And now remember, these people are hand selected for this program, right? So it's a prestigious program and, and it's all about intentionality. And so I, I tell them we're going to be working on something they need to be really intentional about. And they immediately resist and start talking about we're type A leaders, Nicole. We we make things happen. And I'm like, I'm sure you do. But what <laughs> I I know you do because that's why you're here. But we're gonna take it, we're gonna go deeper right now. And what they realize and through the course of the exercises, they're able to quickly extract something that's been swimming around in their brain that they've done nothing about. Mm. And 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 within uh they have about 15 to 20 minutes to come up with it, and then they've got 45 minutes to execute it and get it across cross the finish line. And these leaders, given given that space and pulled out of the noise of everything else they're dealing with, they are able to accomplish. I mean, I get goosebumps. I've had tears in there. I've had, I've had people do things that um, they never thought possible before through the course of that exercise. Wow. And so I do know, and I'll tell you, I go into the stories in the book. So grab a, grab a Kleenex because you'll be moved by what, given the space. And like you said, protect, I kind of think of Under Armour, like protect the house, right? You protect it. It's, it's amazing what you can accomplish. I love this. I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell us about when, how we get the book. How, when is it coming out? When can we get our hands yeah. on it? So April 26th is when it will be released by New Degree Press. It's actually um, pre-sales available right now um, through the end of, yeah, through the end of December, which I'm really excited about. And so if you do the pre-sale, you get an autographed copy and uh, a ticket to the book launch party here. If you're local, if not, we're going to do some, I'll be in some other cities and we're going to do some virtual things as well. So, um, um, yeah, so it's available right now for pre-sale, but it will be released on April 26th. Awesome. And we will put links for that um, Great. in the show notes. So thank, thank you, you so much for coming on today and, and sharing your, your, you know, just yourself with us and your wisdom and a little bit of your story, which is so empowering for other women to hear. And we just thank you. And um, we're just so proud of you. I'm just so proud to know you. <laughs> thank you so much. And I appreciate the amazing work you're doing. It's, um, I just appreciate to keep it up. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.